Hi everyone, welcome to a new news episode of Slim Radio. I'm here with Neil today. How Hi are Molly. you doing? Yes, I'm very well, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Good. Nice. Yeah, I was hoping that you're bringing your dog, actually. Oh, my poor dog. My poor dog's very sick. Oh, really? Yeah, well, not to be too overdramatic. When I say she's very sick, she was sick this morning all over the pavement. But um, it's fine. I think We think she just ate something weird yesterday. Okay, Either yeah. We gave her like a tablet for... Uh, to, to stop her from getting worms yeah. and that might have she I don't think she liked it yeah. uh, either that or she might have eaten something weird last night while I was walking her she likes to eat things from the pavement yeah. which is I can't the the number of times I've I've told her not to and tried to explain to her it's just why what it's dogs just do, right? yeah, yeah why it's not really healthy and how her uh, digestive system isn't really equipped for old chewing gum yeah. she doesn't <laughs> honestly Molly she just won't listen she, and so it's her own fault <laughs> Um, she just doesn't want to understand. She She's just like, doesn't want to understand. You are wrong. Yeah. No. <laughs> You're not the boss of me. Exactly. I am though. Fuck off. Yeah. Um, so hopefully next week I'll bring oh, her in. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I'll be there next week. Okay. Then. Yeah. Well, um, today we're covering a few different topics. Um, we're talking about uh, the mafia uh, in Italy. Yes. There's a big trial going on. Um, then the situation in Alaska as well. There is uh, oil drilling, which is about to happen. Right. Um, which is really harmful for uh, all the animals in the environment. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to talk a bit of the human rights situation in China. So yeah, to a topic we that. keep coming back to, but an important one. Exactly, yeah. 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 Okay, well, let's kick off. Um, yeah. So, the Italian mafia, or in particular the, let me try and get this right, the Undragita Mafia, mm -hmm. who are a mafia organization in Calabria. Okay. Um, one of the big three, I think. They, you also have the Cosa Nostra in Sicily mm -hmm. and the Camorra, who are in Campania. So they're around Naples. And okay. together, these are like some of the, the three big mafia organizations. Um, they all work together? like they. I don't actually know how much they work together and how much there's rivalry. Mm. I think it's one of those things where they each have their own area mm -hmm. and it's probably best not to intrude because fighting and killing is bad for business. Yeah. So I think they try to, they try to coexist okay. as it were, but whether or not they'll continue to coexist because the Undragita looks like it could be in danger of crumbling entirely. Mm -hmm. Italian police have in December, 2019, they arrested 350 members of the crime gang wow. from low level foot soldiers, right up to the bosses. Yeah. Uh, they've got 900 witnesses in this enormous case. That's expected to take about two years where wow. they're going to try and put all of these guys and it is predominantly men yeah. uh, behind bars. Um, mm. So, I mean, this is this is a huge thing. They arrested, obviously, a lot of people in Italy, but also in Germany, in Switzerland, in Crazy Bulgaria. Enough. It's, I think, uh, in 2013, their turnover as an organization was estimated to be $53 billion. Wow. So they're an incredibly powerful, incredibly yeah. productive criminal organization. Um, and they're really interesting because... I, I mentioned before there are these other mafia organizations mm -hmm. and Cosa Nostra and the Camorra, they're famous. They're the yeah. kind of typical mafia organizations that have been sexified by Hollywood and, yeah, and have yeah. this kind of image in our collective exactly. imaginations. And the story is that they used to kind of look down on Undragita mm -hmm. as a kind of a lower level, not to be taken so seriously organization. Mm -hmm. But in the background... And Dragita, and this is the key to the, their success, they they stay hidden. 
and they've been hidden in the shadows yeah. and they've been slowly building up their power and their money and the, the extent of their criminal network all over the world mm-hmm. until they're not only the biggest crime group in Italy, but estimated to be the pretty much the biggest crime criminal organization anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so now the Italian government and the police have hopefully, uh, well, depends on whether or not you're pro or anti-mafia, but hopefully are taking them down. Yeah. Um, and the reason this has happened is, well, part of the reason, apart from the secrecy, the reason they've been able to maintain this secrecy for, it's over 200 years. The first recorded instance of the Undragita was in the 1790s. And the reason they've been able to... In the 1790s? In the 1790s. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they've they've been around for a long time. Yeah. And the reason that they've been able to exist for this long yeah. and to, to kind of stay hidden is because of this deep bond that, that's, that's rooted in blood. Mm-hmm. And without knowing enough about it to speculate, mostly that means family. You mm-hmm. know, there are really deep family ties and there is a protection given by the fact that you can really trust your family members not to betray you. And mm-hmm. there is this sense of collective survival. We yeah. are we are a, a strong unit and we mm-hmm. would never betray each other. Um, that's what's fallen apart. So the, oh, okay. the big family in the Indragita are the Mancuso clan. Mm-hmm. And Emmanuel Mancuso, who is the son of Luni Mancuso, one of the big bosses, yeah. he'll be testifying. And he'll, he has, yeah. in exchange for police protection, has turned state witness and is going to be ratting out his, um, his mafia brothers. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's a huge case. Yeah. And it, I think, would be an enormous blow to the mafia system 100%, in Italy. Yeah, I mean, if you say 1790s, right? Yeah. That's probably like the first time that this has ever happened, I can imagine. No, well, interesting you mentioned that because yeah. there was there uh, another really big trial in 1986, not of the Undragita mm-hmm. uh, Mafia, but another big mafia organization in Italy, yeah. in which 475 mafiosos oh, were convicted. Yeah. Um, but it was also an incredibly bloody period. Mm-hmm. There were judges, witnesses, jurors killed uh, to intimidate and try to prevent these people from being convicted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the the real challenge and the fear for the Italian authorities now is how do we stop a repeat of that? How do we stop exactly, this from yeah. becoming a bloodbath? And was it the same thing? Was it uh, like someone from their family basically, uh, like the cause of it for the trial to happen? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I know that these cases typically take five, ten years yeah. to build because you have to slowly. They're very. These mafia organizations are incredibly well organized and they're incredibly effective businessmen. And in particular, the Indragita, despite being responsible for billions and billions of dollars worth of uh, money laundering, drug sales, gun sales, prostitution, extortion, fraud, all of this, a lot of the bosses live quite simple lifestyles up in the mm. mountains and in the hills in their kind Crazy. of secret getaways where yeah. they just kind of keep out of the public eye. And I guess that's why they've been so successful for so long. It so ma- crazy. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. It makes them very hard to yeah. find. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there must be a reason why they have been there for so long. And also I was just thinking of the trial, like finding juries itself, you know, they want to be there yeah. in the trial because yeah, yeah, like yeah. as you said last time a lot of people died as well yeah how do you find someone who, uh, yeah i think there i think to a degree 
there are probably two ways. Uh, and this is based off of my expertise of having watched a lot of uh, gangster films and television <laughs> shows. <clears throat> so prepare for a real that. masterclass. <laughs> um, on the one hand, I think you you build up. So mm-hmm. you start with, you arrest someone on, on a low level crime. You know, you catch someone with a gun. Yeah. And that's that's easy. You know, they've got a gun. They weren't, it's illegal. So you've got something and you say to them, okay, we're going to put you away unless you can give us information on the person above you. Mm-hmm. And you can climb the ladder that way, just getting people to flip. So mm-hmm. you can get people to turn because blood is only strong enough mm-hmm. until it comes to the point where someone is someone who isn't able to stick to the principles of if I get caught, I do the time and I have to do that for my family. And I knew that coming into this, this part of the risk, there will always be someone who doesn't want to go to prison. Yeah. And you can always get them to. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And then there's all the other stuff. There's wiretaps and um, sort of forensic financial analysis. Mm -hmm. There are all these different ways you can start to piece together uh, the puzzle. The financial puzzle is often a really good way to catch these organizations because they're making millions. You can't keep it. Billions. Yeah. You can't keep it hidden. Yeah. You're going to find it. Of course. You just need to know where to look and you need to spend time investigating. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, uh, you did your research, you watched a lot of I've watched, of it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm very happy to continue doing that research if the listeners need me to. Uh, any other recommendations for gangster films that I should go and watch? I think we should do a special episode. Yeah, yeah, them. I'm here. It's my public service, oh, right. my duty to go and watch Goodfellas again. Yeah. And uh, I'll let you know if I come up with any more insights. Nice, thanks. <laughs> um, okay, so what is going on in Alaska? Yeah, so there's a, a big oil drilling which is planned in Alaska. Right. Uh, and it actually comes <clears throat> from the Trump administration. Um, they have basically planned to occupy parts of um, the, the Arctic National Wildlife Refugee with huge machines um, that basically shake the earth. Uh, and those help to underground, like map underground oil formations. Right. But it's really problematic because, as we know, Alaska is home to a lot of wildlife. Yeah. Um, and basically the new exploration could damage uh, a big area of the tundra and also harm different animal types, such as polar bears in their winter sleep, um, the female bears and their cubs uh, who dance basically under the hi- hidden snow and wow. they wouldn't be protected. And the problem is... They, they're just not protected, you know? Yeah. So there are no rights for those animals in a way. Um, is, it, is, is, is none of this area um, like officially categorized as a national park, which, you know, needs to be preserved? or? Yeah, I mean, it definitely, it's a, it's a national park. It's a national wildlife refuge. But um, I don't know uh, everything about it. Mm. But I know, basically... Um, that the auctions have started, basically, right for uh, for getting those licenses, right. Um, so they are not protected. Yeah, otherwise, clearly. otherwise it wouldn't be happening. Yeah, and Trump has shown many times that he doesn't really care what the rules are. Except, yeah, that's that's another thing. Yeah, it you have be, rules, but then yeah. you have powerful people with a lot of money, and they just yeah, they just do their thing. Yeah, you can say that this area is protected, but that's just a statement written on a piece of paper. When ultimately, the president can. The president and the enormous companies can kind of still do what they want. Yeah. But who's going to stop them? Exactly. Yeah. 
And it's a bit dangerous because um, I feel like this is something that happens often. Humans uh, just behave as if like the whole world uh, belongs to them mm. and there's nothing else to it. And you might not see the effects um, straight away, but there are effects, you know, that yeah. happen. Wait, I mean, arguably we're feeling the effects right now mm. of the actions that were taken 30, 40, 50, yeah. 100 years ago in terms of industrializing and building up power plants and, and everything yeah. and drilling and for oil and deforestation and all of that stuff exactly they didn't you know in the 1960s you clear a big bit of forest and you mm. don't realize that that's part of the reason that we're now seeing a, a change in our climate yeah 100 60 yeah. 70 years later and that's what scientists are saying as well that you might not see the effects straight away but you will see it like in decades later um and there's also um like alaska is also home to um uh, a big herd and they are called Pocupine Karubi herd. <laughs> I hope I'm pronouncing them uh, right. Do you know them? Caribou? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's cool. Yeah. Are and they kind of like deers? Uh, kind of like, um, <coughs> gids, I don't really know, caribou. Hang on, I'm going to Google caribou. <laughs> All right, yeah. Yeah, they, they look like deers. I looked them up. They're really, um, yeah, big, beautiful animals. And they have been um, for thousands of years. Oh yeah, they're kind of like they're kind of like um, reindeer. Exactly. Yeah, they, they look they look like uh, yeah like reindeers. That's but, cool. Um, yeah, speci uh, specific breed. And for thousands of years, actually, those animals migrated thousands of miles um, to give birth to their calves on a specific grassland. Right. And this specific grassland is going to be occupied by the oil drilling. Um, it's between the Arctic Ocean uh, and mountains of the North Slope, and that's a big problem. Mm. Yeah, because um, imagine like for thousands of years, animals come to the specific land part to give birth to their calves, and then suddenly it's not possible anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I think you might be sitting there thinking like, "Well, that's sad," but you know, it's it's a herd of caribou, and ultimately. It's just it's isolated, but it's mm. not isolated at all because it this ecosystem. Yeah, everything I mean. is so deeply intertwined that yeah. you can't you mess with one thing and you set off this fucks up everything. Yeah. Exactly a cascade of consequences. Yeah. Um. So, Trump being the nice guy that he is is mm. allowing um companies to destroy yet another piece of national natural beauty in America. Exactly. Yeah. But. Trump's not going to be president for much longer. Yeah. So what happens when Biden gets in? Does he put a stop to this? It could happen, yeah. I mean, Biden has said that he uh, he wants to, but we don't we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Right. But the auctions have started already, um, but they were not a big success. Because, oh, okay. Which is really nice. Um, actually, uh, in fact, it was a flop. <laughs> Only two companies, um, uh yeah, bought basically from uh, from the uh, to get the oil drilling li uh, leases. Right. And there was one in Alaska, I think, and one in Australia, if I'm right. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, the other companies didn't want to buy because most of them want to go more for renewables. I think because also a lot of uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of uh, happening around people that don't want to support any yeah. companies anymore. Yeah, they, yeah. They cannot hold up you know, with the other companies anymore if they no. don't go for renewables. And no. that's a nice thing. So that's really nice. There's only two companies actually that bought, but still. Yeah. I mean, that's still, it's still horrible, but that is yeah. encouraging because exactly, yeah. it, it shows that the political, but probably more the kind of the social pressure yeah. on these companies is effective yeah. and is finally starting to, I mean, 
that says to me that there is evidence that the the the, the outcries of anguish and rage yeah. from people like us who sit here being like you can't keep doing this yeah. is finally getting through yeah exactly and you know often when you think like okay um I want to say something. I want to protest, but is it going to matter in the end? There's yeah. a proof of that. It does, yeah. actually. And yeah. I guess that's quite optimistic. And it, it, yeah. it, that's a nice thing because it makes us feel like we have some agency and some power in this. Yeah. The other side of the argument is that really things are changing, but only because now it makes more economic sense mm -hmm. to invest in renewables, solar energy, wind energy. Exactly. They're cheaper than ever. Yeah. And actually it's starting, well, why would you keep drilling for oil? Yeah. Everyone's going to hate you for it, A, sure. Yeah. But also there's money to be made by investing elsewhere. Yeah. Which is good news. Yeah. You know, and hopefully that will see a supercharge of investment and action on, on trying to build enormous kind of uh, solar panel fields and stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. So it wasn't that smart of a move, Mr. Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Weird that. Because he's usually so wise. Yeah, right? Weird. Yeah. Everyone makes one mistake. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so from... Trump to China. So this isn't um, regular listeners to this podcast will know that this isn't the first time that we have wanted to speak about uh, China and human rights abuses mm -hmm. and other things. And it's it's important to note that we don't do it because we want to bash China. Not or at all. No. It's nothing like that. No. But the, the simple fact is that we are now the world is changing. Yeah. You know, we've seen that the American-led world order that has brought us peace and prosperity mm -hmm. in the West, uh, you know, uh, ever since the, the fall of the Soviet Union in, in 1990, yeah. we have had this kind of 30 years where America has been the top dog and yeah. it's dictated everything. That is changing. Yeah. China is very much becoming an equal to America in terms of influence, in terms of economic power, in terms of military power. Mm -hmm. And is estimated by many economists to overtake America as the, the most productive, biggest, most powerful country in the world. So yeah. we have to focus on this because China does have some really, really worrying, um, really, really worrying. It's got a really, really worrying history yeah. with human rights abuses. And there mm -hmm. are things that it continues to this day that if China is going to be dictating the new rules to the world, you need to understand what you're dealing with. Exactly. Yeah. Um, That's why we need to talk about it. We do need to talk about it. So where should we start? I think <clears throat> probably start with the Uyghurs. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. It's the big one. Why um, are the Uyghurs? The Uyghurs, good question. So the Uyghurs are an ethnic minority. Mm -hmm. um, their ethnicity is Turkic. So Turkic means that they're the same kind of ethnic group as people in Turkmenistan, Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan, all of those Central Asian countries. But okay. they live on the border of those countries in Xinjiang province, mm -hmm. in the very, very west of China. So yeah. they're officially China. Okay. Um, but China is has, I think, 40 something, 40, 50 different ethnic groups within its, you know, within uh, it's enormous borders, yeah. but it's 90% Han Chinese. Mm -hmm. So it's very much dominated by one ethnic group. Yeah. And the Uyghurs are therefore a very small minority. Mm -hmm. Although I think they might be the majority in Xinjiang. Mm -hmm. So uh, the Uyghurs are Muslim. Um, yeah. They are predominantly Sunni uh, yeah. Muslim. There are about 11, maybe 12 million of them. Currently, it's estimated that between a million and 1.5 million of them are in detention camps. Oh, wow. What the Chinese state government calls re-education camps. Okay. I think Chairman Mao had a similar thing. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, back in the day and, and no one looks back on those with no. a kind eye and nor should we look on these as though they're anything like the kind of soft educational vocational uh kind of camps that the chinese government makes them out to be these are concentration camps yeah. uh, people are being detained against their will there are reports of sexual abuse forced sterilization of women so that they can't yeah. have babies yeah. um the uyghurs who are kept there are forced to learn mandarin they're forced to learn songs about the chinese the glory of the chinese state mm-hmm. and they're forced to renounce their religion and renounce islam and that's the 1.5, 1 million, 1.5 million who are in the camps. Mm-hmm. That leaves 10 million in Xinjiang who live under a, essentially an open air prison yeah. because, you know, there are, they're forced to download apps onto their phones so that the okay. Chinese government can see everything that they're doing online and track their movement at all times. Um, we recently, Huawei, the company who makes mobile phones, yeah. you know, the, the tech company, mm-hmm. um, we, I think we've spoken about the argument about whether or not we should allow Huawei to install 5G technology. Uh, it was a big debate in Britain mm-hmm. about whether or not, you know, 5G, Huawei have the tech. They're furthest ahead. Should we let them install the future of our telecommunications? Yeah. And Boris Johnson was going to let them. But America was like, do not. Yeah. Absolutely do not. And I personally agree with this because the latest thing from Huawei is that they were developing AI that allows cameras to um, track Uyghurs. So facial facial recognition technology, That's basically. really scary. Yeah. Really scary. Yeah. So the, the, these Uyghurs are constantly tracked, constantly monitored. They have no freedom whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason for this is that it isn't just because they're Muslim. There mm-hmm. is definitely a movement amongst the Uyghurs for separatism. Okay. They want to be autonomous. They yeah. want that to be their own country. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have referred to Xinjiang as, uh, hang on, I've got it written down somewhere. Oh, no, I've lost it. Ah, Eastern Turkestan is what they call it. And they mm-hmm. conceive of it as their own country, yeah. like Azerbaijan, like Turkmenistan. Yeah. Um, and as a result of that kind of separatist movement, it has at times turned violent. Yeah. There have been instances of what we would recognise and certainly what the Chinese um, government calls terrorist attacks. I think a really big one that you may remember or, or our listeners may remember was mm. in March 2014 at mm-hmm. Kunming Railway Station mm-hmm. in, uh, I think it's Yunnan province. Yeah. Um, eight Uyghurs uh, pulled out knives in this train station and went on a rampage, killing 31 people injuring 140 horrible horrible visceral violence Mm -hmm. um and there have been other attacks by uyghurs Mm -hmm. and so there is a narrative that the chinese government has been able to put together about we are doing this in order to Mm de-radicalize extreme islamist terrorists But there is no way that that one million people in those camps or the other 10 million people living under constant surveillance in a police state are terror. I don't even know this as well, but they're not terroristically minded. Exactly. They're just people trying to live their lives. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, does it justify putting people in concentration camps? No, no, it doesn't. Absolutely not. I mean, that kind of. It's this thing, isn't it? Because, Mm. you know, they are ostensibly fighting for independence yeah their violence is not something that any of us i think can um 
can back or countenance mm-hmm. or say yeah. is a good thing and terrorism yeah. is never a, never an answer yeah. but we see all over the world that groups who are suppressed by their governments exactly, and not yeah. given a voice mm. often turn to violence as a last resort to yeah. try and make their point and, yeah. and get their voices heard yeah, yeah. i um, also think it's something that we have to understand it's um it's part of the human being violence it it is terrible for sure what happened but um as you said we see it a lot like basically groups who are getting suppressed by governments turn to violence yeah it's that phrase uh, yeah. one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter yeah um but why i mean there is it's not just because of the terrorism thing by mm. any means yeah, so yeah. part of the big thing about this is have you heard of the um the belt and road initiative no i haven't it's a this is it's this is the thing that is going to make China the biggest power in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. So what it's doing is building a network of shipping routes and railways and ports. Yeah. It's called a Belt and Road because mm-hmm. you have this big uh, route that goes across I think land. I heard about it actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah it goes no. it goes through China, mm-hmm. through Central Asia, like yeah, Turkmenistan, yeah, of course, through yeah, Turkey yeah. into Europe. Yeah. And then you've got the shipping route which connects China to the Middle East and then all the way around to Africa and up to and it's basically they call it the new silk road the mm-hmm. ancient trade route that used to that people used to use to trade uh, silks and spices mm-hmm. yeah. and all of that kind of thing so there's that romanticism and it's that for the 21st century mm-hmm. and it's going to create so much wealth yeah it's going to make so many countries incredibly rich mm-hmm. being able to i mean i think i heard a stat where it will take 16 days for goods to get from china to berlin in Germany, wow. where at the moment it takes about forty days, yeah. so it's it's going to it's going to super um, it's it's like injecting adrenaline into mm. the global economy, and it's mm. going to put China at the center of all of this new money. Yeah, and the thing is, Xinjiang always used to be known as the back door of China. It's way out in the west. It's next to Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan. It's mm. a lot of it's desert. There's not much yeah. there. It was kind of a corner yeah. away. But it's now the gateway. It's now the front door of China mm-hmm. because it's the way that China will move all of these goods yeah. through Central Asia into Europe. And it's going to be a central crossroads for this flow of, of goods and wealth and, and prosperity. Yeah. And so China has to control it. Yeah. They have to control it. They don't want anything disrupting this because mm-hmm. it's the plan. It's the plan that they've been working on uh, for decades. And it's the plan that's going to make them an unstoppable force in the 21st century, the biggest mm-hmm. superpower in the world. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of, that's why also we don't see other countries shouting about this. We do. We see the West and we see a lot of the USA has been very vocal. A lot of yeah. European countries have, have called China out on this. Mm-hmm. In June 2020, 39 countries sent a, signed a letter to the UN condemning um, Chinese detention of Uyghurs. Mm-hmm. In July, the next month, 45 countries sent a letter to the UN defending oh. the uh, Chinese detention and yeah. everything that they're doing to contain and control Uyghurs. Mm-hmm. Um, they cited safety and stability and anti-terrorism. And you look at the list of countries that signed the second letter, mm-hmm. Belarus, Iran, Russia, Saudi Arabia, okay. North Korea, yeah. all countries which are themselves authoritarian. Mm. They don't want 
anyone to be able to, they don't want the UN to be able to interfere with one country who does what it wants with people that it doesn't like. Because yeah. these countries also want to do what they want with people that they don't like. Yeah. And it's almost, it seems to me like you're almost seeing the world really start to split in two again. 100%, yeah. And like to, I mean, it's, it's super scary, actually. Yeah. And when we see how much uh, dependent we are on one, one another and on China as well, and then how how do you make globalization work in a world where you have so many different morals, but then making business with each other? Because as we know, like morals and business yeah. goes hand in hand. For sure. And that sounds like a big conflict coming yeah, yeah. on and happening already. 100%. I mean, Saudi Arabia... Remember the um, the Mohammed cartoons in Denmark yeah. in two thousand and five. Yeah. So all over the Muslim world, people yeah. rose up and shouted about the disgrace, uh, you know, the offence to Islam that this mm. represented. And here we are in twenty twenty, and a million Muslims are being forced to renounce Islam whilst kept in prisons. Mm -hmm. And where is Saudi Arabia? Where's Egypt? Where's Turkey? Where are these voices now? Yeah. You can't hear them because. They need China. China is too big to criticize for them. They mm. they need Turkey wants the um, Belt and Road Initiative to pass through Turkey so it can take it can get some of the wealth. Mm. Saudi Arabia, um, Pakistan has ports that the Chinese have funded and built. You know they support the infrastructure of these countries. Yeah. So these countries are beholden to them. Yeah. And it's as you said, the money trumps the morals. Yeah. It's 100%, sad. Yeah. But I think, um, I mean, this sounds like such a big out-of-our-hands topic, you know, something that we cannot do anything about. But uh, I think it's super important to talk about that. Yes. To keep the conversation going because it's going to happen. Um, and it might sound odd, but with the conversation that keeps on going, we can still, change can happen actually. Yeah. And that's why it's also so important that we cover these topics on the podcast and it's not like to pinpoint on china and saying china is the most terrible country in the world and we are all great that's not uh what we're saying at no. all it's just um yeah keeping the uh, keeping the conversation going about these important topics yeah. yeah and it can sound really idealistic but if at the american border they're locking up um kids and families of immigrants yeah and in china they're locking people up based on their ethnicity or their religious beliefs if we if we accept these things then mm. oh if we if we stop talking about them mm. then we accept them exactly yeah and we can't do that yeah. because it's wrong yeah so we have to keep talking exactly yeah um oh man there was a lot more i wanted to say about china because it's yeah. super interesting yeah. and the the way the state is trying to control everything in china yeah um but we're out of time yeah we're completely a little bit over in fact yeah. but i hope it was I hope it was uh, something worth hearing yeah. at home. Um, do we have a random fact for today? Random fact? Let me think. Do you have Do you have a random fact? Anyway? Well, I did. Uh, apparently, uh, today, I don't know in which year, but today is the anniversary of the invention of basketball. Oh, okay. So... I might play go. some basketball today. Yes! <laughs> Everyone should go out and play some basketball. Although, wait, hang on. Oh, I have actually Oh, yes. Fact. Oh, yeah, give it, because that one was rubbish. Well, you told me it's going to snow in Amsterdam. <laughs> it might snow in Amsterdam, yes. yes. So take out your skis, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be crazy. We'll see you, we'll see you in uh, Vesterpark for a nice big snow. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's, uh, that's, that's something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. 
It was nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Stay safe, guys. Yeah, see you next time. Bye-bye.